0: Hi, a big hello and welcome to my show Unbound. I'm your host, Mamta. A space curated for real stories of people from different walks of life who have sailed through uncharted waters and lived to tell their inspiring story, Unbound is a deep dive into their journeys to unravel, unearth, uncover various facets of their lives as they remain unstoppable and continue to do the unthinkable. <laughs> A coach, an author, a registered psychotherapist and a widow. Yes, you heard that. Dealing with pain and anguish of her grief, Ali firmly believes that a death in our community can change everything. Grief Ali is her first book which focuses exclusively on teaching people how to support their loved ones through the long haul of grief. And today I have an honor to have her on my show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ali Bird. Hi Ali, welcome to my show Unbound. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well Mamta, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, it's it's, uh, it's really gracious of you to have accepted this invite and we are truly, truly honored to have you here. So, Ali, I'm going to straight away jump in because, you know, you come from the other side of the world, we are, we are living in different time zones, different ideologies, maybe you're 100 years ahead or behind, I don't know. But I would really want to start from the very start. Who is Ali? And what's her journey been like? Ooh. So, I mean, we can
1: start with the present and see where see where that gets us. So, um, yeah, my name is Allie. I, I live in Canada and I am an author. I am a therapist and I am also someone who has learned to live with um, a life changing loss. So my husband died at the end of 2019, um, completely unexpectedly. And... There was an alley in the world before Will's death and there is an alley in the world after oh. Will, will's death. and they there are similarities between those two people, but the way they approach life um, oh. is very, very different um, and I used to walk through life in a very like kind of naive and, and confident way and now I live with the very true, uh yeah the the truth that we all die one day
0: yeah um and that has a huge influence on my life (laughs) yeah I have really really never had anyone who'd had the guts to really talk about their personal loss or be even authentically facing it so I'm really really looking forward to this episode and uh, seeing that we're, where your journey takes us to the path of inspiration. So so tell me a, a bit about maybe your childhood. What inspired you? How was Ali as a child? What about your parents, your folks? All of, all yeah. of that.
1: Yeah, so I, I was raised in the countryside. Um, my, my parents came from a farming family. Um, I have a younger brother and a younger sister, so we are three together. Um, I'm the oldest, and I loved as a kid doing all sorts of creative things. I loved art and performing and singing, and I loved animals, um, and I loved figure skating. <laughs> oh. Uh, yes. So my first dream as a child was to be a veterinarian my second dream as a child was to be a movie star and my third dream was to go to the olympics as a figure skater
0: oh wow that is some aspiration no really (laughs) and then and then how did life begin to unfold for you yeah uh as i i
1: grew up um i think i did what happens to a lot of people i kind of fell into the trap of like oh you're your dreams aren't realistic, like, let's find out what you're good at and, you know, do something more regular that, you know, you'll get a good job and you'll have a good life. Um, So I ended up, I finished high school and decided to study um, the environment, environmental studies, which was interesting. I've always kind of had this mission of like wanting to help people and help the planet. Um, But... I after I ended up doing a masters degree um in urban planning I actually while I was there did some public health um oh. courses and I after that I really fell in love with the idea of how in humans interact with one another how oh. we interact with our environments and the impact that that can have on our well-being um which was kind of laid the the foundation of, of where where I ended up today. Wow.
0: While, while I understand that there is, there is a deep and a very, very... Um, I don't know if I can really uh, call it uh, very solid, but there definitely is a deep impact of a personal loss and uh, kind of um, making you or catapulting you the way that you are now on your journey, but just before that, had you had, did you ever had any wild idea that you will start writing or authoring or coaching or mentoring, or of course this, this, this bit on connecting with humans, but Mm -hmm. the realm that you are today, any, any vague idea back then?
1: Yeah. So I actually, um, I had started, I had become certified as a coach. Um, in 2018 so I was very interested in working with people one-on-one and the the niche that I was working in was helping young people navigate significant life changes so whether that was you know leaving a relationship moving to a new city changing jobs um, I was learning a language of grief but I wasn't overtly aware that I was doing it um, and I'd also done a lot of personal work Uh, working with coaches, working with therapists, unpacking some of my own experiences that I had been carrying with me um, since I was a young person. And when Will died, it kind of like opened a box for me and recognized like there, I really love this work, Mm -hmm. but I can't do this work at a surface level. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to talk to people about the really hard things that are harming them essentially. And mm-hmm. I didn't have the tools that I needed with a coaching background. I needed to go and and learn more to be able to work with those people.
0: All right, so transformation <laughs> is what we will call it, right? You were, you were already on the transformative journey. Mm-hmm. But did, is this some sort of a coincidence? That you were skewed and inclined to pick this up and then something manifested in life? Like, just walk me through this. So you were already doing and laying the foundation to this work before that life-changing event happened to you right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I
1: can't, I can't really explain how that happened. And to be very honest, like I didn't want to be the girl whose husband died and then she made like that part of her life work. Um, I didn't want to be like Hmm. influencer, widow, (laughs) you know, kind of person. Um, but, but when it happened, um, it was just like this, this pain, this like this grieving what feels like kind of like an underworld of everybody is walking around with grief and we are not talking about it and we are not supporting people through it in ways that are productive and meaningful and full of like love and respect that I was like, I can't, I can't just go back to helping people with like, you know, job work, Mm. right. Or, Hmm. you know, Um, moving to a new city or something like I I need to be able to have these conversations with people that touch the depths of of their hearts and their souls um but yeah it's uh I I can't it might be a coincidence it might be something divine I'm not sure um but uh it has been a very special um maybe coincidental Um, experience of of getting to where I am
0: yeah so when you when you really uh, decipher it all and decode it what why what do you see what are the patterns why do people want to be in this underworld why do they not want to come out and confront and be authentic with what hurts them the most why that psychology or why that uh, human bent to always look good, be good, talk good, you know, put up that face? Why, why is that so?
1: I think there's a number of factors that contribute to it, um, particularly in the Western world. We've, we've moved so far away from a life that acknowledges death that when you do come face to face with it, it is shocking and you want to get out of the pain that comes with it as fast as possible. So oh. you don't even acknowledge it. You just move on to, you know, whatever, like drugs, food, working too much, all of that, buying, you know, shopping, um, any of that can mask the pain that you're feeling. The second one I think is just a because of that, we've created a culture that doesn't acknowledge the hard things. And to be a person who stands up and says, hey, like, I am not okay. Everyone around them kind of just like hushes them, mm. says like, oh no, it's not as bad as you think, or then hands them the tools of like, oh, here, here, here are the things that will fix your pain. But grief is not something that can be fixed, right? Grief, experiencing the death of people who are close to us is not something that we recover from. It is simply something that we learn to carry and to live with. And yes, one day we can blend in with the world of, Mm -hmm. oh, everything is fine, like I'm doing well. But there is a period of time where like, that is your, all your energy is being spent trying to exist, to coexist with that pain. And it takes far more effort to stand up and say hey I'm not okay and there's always a risk in it that people are not going to acknowledge that like oh how do I help you and instead just try and you know yeah make quiet
0: <laughs> yeah true 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 to that I mean uh, I, I've had people on the show who've spoken about their journeys with different kind of losses there was this lady again from Canada Indian based in Canada who spoke about her whole journey with IVF, for example. Mm. And that she lost her pregnancy so many times that, you know, eventually, of course, she reconciled with the fact that she was a born parent because she was a born nurturer. Mm. But how people would just wash over her pain saying that it's all right, this happens, this happens to that person, you know that happened to that person. I so, like, I'm not okay with that. and And please don't come and have... Weather conversations with me, and don't tell me what's going on out there in the world because I am dealing with this. So yeah, what you what you're saying does does fall in very very well to that sort of a mindset, if we may call it. So what what really is the coping mechanism, and in the whole series of learning, the life mm-hmm. is you know, and the life has yeah. been for you post uh, uh, this loss. Uh, have you seen yourself changing some patterns, uh, which have changed forever, like like you said that there was an alley before an alley after. So can you distinguish those two alleys for me?
1: Yeah, um, there's a couple of things. Um, I think beforehand, I think now now I have so much kindness hmm. towards myself. I was very mean to myself before Will died. I. I was always trying to change my body. I was always trying to be happy. Um, I was always trying to achieve something. And in grief, the biggest lessons that I have learned is that my body is the least interesting thing about me and nothing like this, this is the suit that will help me survive. And just talking about it gives me chills. Like this, this is the vessel that is going to carry me through this. And this is all I have at the end of the day. And if I am not kind to it, we are not going to survive. Absolutely. Um, And I think also the, the idea that we are so wrapped up in constantly producing and achieving isn't something natural to humans. That has been, you know, bred into us through our culture. It is okay to just be. It is okay to just be who you are and exist as who you are in a moment. You don't always have to be trying to be better, trying to be more good at what you are doing, making more money. Um, I've tried to like really cultivate a practice of, self-acceptance and self-acceptance as who i am in this moment and yes i will change i have acknowledged that like changes changes natural change changes what we are supposed to do changes what happens when we experience things um but to force myself to try to
0: stay static
1: um is not helpful
0: <laughs> oh my god um, that's a lot yeah. <laughs> of wisdom wrapped in those few words no honestly like so what you're saying and the way that I'm listening is it's bred into us that we are constantly not good enough, we, yes. it's bred into us that constantly we either are a failure or we need to push more and that constantly be something else, someone else, somewhere else. Right? Yeah. My God. Exactly. My God. And we don't even, and I mean, it's just like a chance encounter like this that we would talk about it. Otherwise, we don't even yeah. talk about it.
1: No, or we celebrate it in conversation, right? Like, how have you been doing? Like, what have you been doing? You know, like, and in those conversations, we don't talk about the hard things that we've been through.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And, uh, again i mean i i just take this as to be a divine plan always that uh, it's not a coincidence what i am doing back here in india with my work my content creation is exactly create relevant conversations that's that's the whole underlying effort is that okay as communicator as people you know who have the job to do this is like a bread and butter mm. that we we are into uh into the sphere of communicating having conversations so if we are also not acknowledging and fronting them up then who will really you know and yes and just creating it for brands or for agendas or for campaigns it's just it's just good talk. It's like lip service and nothing more than that. So very, very interesting. I'm very inspired with this, Ali. Thank you so, so much for uh, doing this. And I'm now going to get into a series of a few questions, which is like, have you in all this while been able to identify some of your key strengths? Mm-hmm. What are those? Yes.
1: Yeah. I would say that the strengths that I I've developed like through these processes aren't necessarily things that I I would have considered strengths before Will died, and I think that there are some things that like are inherently me, but there are also things that I I have worked very hard at becoming good at, um, and one of them is just bravery. Mm. Um, which even saying that out loud feels like a bit um, self-absorbed or arrogant, but I, I know the value in having uncomfortable conversations, and I am willing to have those conversations if it means more comfort on the other side. Super. Um, because I think I think a lot of us keep keep ourselves in like a an uncomfortable state, thinking that what is on the other side of that discomfort is is more discomfort, but it is actually comfort.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, well said, well yeah, said. Yeah, uh, very um, well put. I
1: also think one of my my strengths is knowing when I need alone time. Mm. I've learned a lot about myself and what helps me stay balanced and part of that is acknowledging my limits to human contact Mm. I am a deep feeler I am a deep thinker and I can exist in with people and and have a lovely time with them but if I don't get the space that I need to recuperate and regroup um, through quiet time through spaces where it's just me and maybe my headphones and like a notebook then I I am not okay.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah No, it's important to draw your boundaries I think it's very very important to res- to really respect that space both for yourself and the other very very well said and very well captured so in that case have you really been able to go to the depth of your weaknesses, your biggest challenges, fears? I know you've faced many and some of them, maybe you've really rooted them out from your system also, but uh, a few things which still remain as a weakness or a challenge or a fear to you. Yeah.
1: Um, I think I still have a fear of not being liked Mm. in some respects. I, I crave connection and belonging like any other human. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will abandon myself um, to feel like I will like to feel like I fit in. Um, Not all the time. And when I'm, you know, with my closest people, I don't do that. Um, but there are still times when I am quite shy. <laughs> um, so if I'm in a group of of strangers, then i I tend to have to think very hard about what it is that I want versus what am I doing to please other people.
0: Hello people. I'm not sure about what you just said because we just met exactly twenty minutes back and I don't see. <laughs> <laughs> A drop of shyness in her eyes or wherever (laughs) so i'm not gonna do that but we still can take it
1: (laughs) if you you met me on the street you'd have a very different impression
0: (laughs) well i'm then preferring this anytime (laughs) all right so in that case what would be your biggest fear of missing out like a fomo that oh my god i don't want to be left out on this part or this aspect of life? Are there any such things? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I can get very vulnerable about it. I'm very f- afraid of dying alone. Um, I I see like all my peers um, partnered up and um, I, while I still love someone very deeply and I don't consider myself like a single person, like there yep. is still like there is a hole in the end of my story um and you know i often like living with grief it makes oh, yeah. you also consider like your own death and what your own end of life will look like yeah. and yeah. i'm still painting that picture
0: yeah.
1: um of what i want it to look like and i don't i don't want it to be lonely
0: mm. honestly tell me something alley Besides the show, I would want to ask this to you. What's, what's, what's about death? What's about losing? What's about being alone?
1: What is it about that?
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think. Uh... Have you ever had this before losing Will?
1: No, no. I mean, I lost grandparents beforehand. Mm. Mm-hmm. But Will was the first, like, death that changed everything.
0: Why? And
1: I don't think I had an understanding of of what it is like to live without something that you want so desperately in your life everything else up to Will's death like there was never a problem I couldn't solve and there was never something that I really wanted that I couldn't get whether it was like mm. the car that I wanted or the job that I wanted or the the thing that I could buy like I had very few needs that were never met mm. um, until Will died and I'm like I want Will
0: mm. and
1: I can't have him I mean I can have I can have him in other ways but I want like his physical presence mm. I want him I want to be able to like talk to him and have him respond mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, in ways that that we used to Um. and like that is that is still a huge I mean that that's a hole that will kind of exist forever but there are There there are very few things. There is one thing that will touch me in the way that Will touched me. Mm -hmm. And that is my dog. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the connection, the bond that we have. um, It's not the same, but it, it just, it touches a part of me that no one else, no one else can really get close to. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe, Maybe one day there, there might be a person, um, mm. you know, there are more than 7 billion people on this planet. There must be somebody else that, that mm. could touch that. But it, um, it scares me a lot that mm. I might have only gotten that for the short period of time that I, I yeah. had Will in my life for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how long were you together really? Like, uh, five years, five years. Yeah. Alright. And did you did you actually knew that you loved him so madly deeply at that time? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Grief is dependent on so many factors, um, internal and external, that challenge our capacity to like be okay again. Mm. Um so I wholeheartedly believe that if someone if someone receives the kind of care that they truly deserve when they at just as a human at a basic level when they have are experiencing the death of someone close to them or any other you know loss type of non-death related loss like when you receive like unconditional love love for the state that you are in in whatever moment and you are validated that like this this is not okay you are not okay but no one tries to like clean it up or like fix you i think what inevitably happens is that like you can grow around and move forward yeah. more quickly than someone who is asked to, Hey, clean yourself up. We don't love you when you are not okay. If you want to be part of you uh, know, this community yeah. that we have, fix yourself and then you can come hang out with us, which then that person is asked to either hide their grief, ignore it, um, Or face it in isolation. Yeah. And in grief, we need community care. Yeah. We can't do the work alone. Like we are attached to each other as human beings. It's part of how we survive. So to ask someone to do that work by themselves is not fair. And we're not capable of doing it. It will show itself at some time. Yeah. And it could be even worse than if we are given... The space and the time and the unconditional support yeah. that we deserve when it happens. Yeah, um, I hope that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it does. And again, it uh, takes me back to one. I, I, I take it as a prophecy. You know, sometimes things just appear in your life, and then that that is so true for life itself that there cannot be a bigger than energy than love. And love can actually literally absolutely fix everything in life if, mm-hmm. if, if given from the or taken from the space of unconditionality. And yes. I really, really, really wish that love to manifest from every aspect of your life. So you get that, you, you are a courageous soul and you, you, you get that faith enough back. Uh, to be wholehearted with your life and carry it forward with even more love and love be the way of your existence. Coming almost towards the tail end of the show, this this part of the show, which you haven't heard it, but <laughs> it's called The Rapid reflex Now. They're just a volume of four, five, seven questions, which you, I'm sure as an author, will breeze through it because you have to answer... <laughs> You have to answer it in a a word or a sentence. So these are like a rapid fire uh, question answer session. All right. Are you ready for this, Ali? I am ready. Yeah. All right. So when in doubt, you like to complete the sentence? Sing. Never have you ever not
1: liked grapefruit?
0: Right. Your favorite food is? (laughs) Your life purpose is
1: Caring for others
0: One thing you wish parents never said to their children
1: You can't do that
0: One thing you wish to change about the education system
1: How we teach children about feelings
0: Alright, love to you is A verb Alright, life to you is About connection People to you is, or are, people to you are, life-giving. One thing that you do first thing in the morning.
1: Tell my dog how much I love her.
0: And one thing you do last thing in the day.
1: Brush my teeth mindfully.
0: Well, 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 you have truly come unbound on the show, Ali. And thank you so, so, so much for really being who you are and brightening our day, our life, giving us so many insights, sharing your journey, your joy, your pain and your life with me. Thank you so much, Ali. I really appreciate uh, this gesture of yours and really, really look forward to so much more ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Manta. Thank you. Thanks for inspiring us, Ali. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I would love to know from you what idea or insight you unboxed from today's conversation. Just drop me a message over LinkedIn or in my inbox and remember to follow this podcast so that when the next episode drops, you can join me for yet another one too. Keep coming and keep unbounding. Till then, this is your host, Mamta, signing off.